Welcome to Nerds, Geeks, in the Kitchen Sink. It's a podcast that I don't want to say the intro to right now, so we're not going to. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, DK. Chris is gone. He's on vacation. That lucky guy, I think he's at Disney still. He's a, he's a maniac. He's a maniac. Good luck to you, Chris. I know he built a lightsaber at the at the, the, the Galaxy's Edge thing. I can't wait to talk to him about it. But so today, I thought, since we don't have Chris... I would get some cool guests, and boy, I think I got some of the coolest. Uh, I have Sean and Josh. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing wonderful, Dustin. How are you, bud? I'm doing great. I thought I was having a bad morning. It turns out you were having <laughs> the worst morning. Uh, nah, how just, are you guys doing, though? Just a little uh, livestock euthanasia at 2.30 in the morning to start your day. You know, whatever. It happens yeah. to all of us, but, you know, it sucks it had to be you today. The, the chicken is in a better place now. And let's just say it was humane and the chicken had no quality of life and was in pain. It was not out of malice or hunger that I did this. <laughs> I stayed up too late watching kung fu movies, and that was, like, my big gripe for the day. <laughs> you didn't have to kill anything? No, not a damn thing. It's... Uh. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's pretty traumatic watching kung fu movies until 4 a.m. The brain is not supposed to do that. How about this for the listeners? Uh, one at a time, guys, say your name and say kind of a little bit about yourself, if you would. Oh, thanks, Sean, for giving me the intro here. I'm uh, Josh Ickes, um, one of the co-hosts with Sean of the podcast Nashville CA, uh, a movie double feature podcast that we've started doing recently. Um Beyond that, I'm a filmmaker. Um, I'm a creative director for Universal Music. Uh, that's what I do in my my daytime hours. Uh, so basically, I get to play all the time. And uh, I'm Sean Perry. I'm the other co-host of Nashville CA. I'm the California part. Josh is the Nashville part. Together, we form one imperfect team. <laughs> yeah. And that's uh, what makes it perfect. Exactly, right? The beauties yes. and the flaws. Well, why don't you tell people about this show? Uh, well, Josh and I, we started by, we, we all met actually the first time, the three of us, on uh, our friend George's podcast, The Best Little Whorehouse in Philadelphia. We yes. did the, the Trusties episode, but how love many? That show. There was, what, 11 of us on that episode? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I... It was I, a beautiful mess. I met you guys, but I didn't really get a chance to hang out. It was a beautiful mess. That was chaos. I don't know how he hosted that. I don't know how he edited that. Yeah, that's the part that gets me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so Josh and I, we kind of palled around. We both were talking about eight and a half, and then he and I watched Pi on March 14th together in honor oh. of Pi Day. And that was the... Uh, that was the birth of the show right there. As we were talking in the chat, we just realized we both had a lot to say, and we, um, we just love movies. So the show has no restrictions as far as what we watch. We just choose two movies that maybe are thematically connected, maybe they're not, but it's stuff that we're into. That's really cool. I really love the concept. We've done some things with double features and even triple features here on this show, but nothing like that. That's very cool. Uh, I'm excited to, to listen. I, I unfortunately haven't heard any episodes yet, but uh, I, this conversation is going to definitely get me there. And I hope a lot of other people, too. Um, can you give some examples of some episodes you've done already? The the first one we did was Eight and a Half in Pi, which uh, gets pretty thematically heavy. 
And then we dove into the deep end with uh, Stalker and Annihilation. Wow. Which I think opened up, like, it blew our, our minds and our hearts collectively. <laughs> so we, How about that bear, though? Oh, man. God, that's a beautiful piece of work. We yeah. decided the first episode wasn't pretentious enough, so we doubled down and went even heavier into the the bullshit philosophy that we both are trying to decipher and pull out of yes. these movies that are so dense and so artistic and metaphorical. But it was it was really fun. Um, Josh watched Stalker twice and a bunch. Of, Josh watched like nine hours of Stalker footage for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, I went deep. There's, but there's some great, um, like ex post facto breakdowns uh, on YouTube of people doing, and it's mostly people with very thick Eastern European accents <laughs> doing breakdowns of Stalker and kind of the metaphorical meanings behind it and the search for God and everything. So it was beautiful. sure, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm going to have to listen to that for sure. Uh, I'm really excited to get into that. I'm always looking for new shows, so that is awesome. I'm glad to have you guys today. Um, so I know we met through sort of horror. Is that both of your favorite genre, or do you guys like to branch out, or is it mainly horror for both of you, or what is it? Um, I'd say horror is my home base. Just kind of like metal music is my home base, but then I diverge out and watch about everything. But I started... Ooh, my horror history starts when I was six years old or so, and we went to Blockbuster. I was at my neighbor's house across the street, and we rented It, the double VHS set. Oh, yeah. And we watched the first VHS tape, and then they all went to bed. And I sat up until the sun rose, terrified with, like, anxiety and just, I was, I was contemplating just walking home across the street, but then that's really scary to like a kid, you wake up and like there's a kid missing from your house that was there the night before. So it was raining. There was a, there was a drain nearby. <laughs> exactly. There was a boat floating and you I said, had, I don't think so. I had my yellow jacket. I thought I was going to be okay. Um, so that movie really did me in right. I hated horror movies because they all scared the shit out of me and I couldn't sleep and stuff. And even catching little sights of like, I remember my dad flipping onto Leprechaun and there was like 10 seconds where I saw Warwick Davis licking some woman's face and that like freaked me out as a kid. That'll I mean, do it. Yeah, that's enough. So that's enough for anyone. It wasn't until I was like 17 or 18, uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake came out in theaters and I saw that movie. And then yes. around the same time, there was a video game adaptation of The Thing that yeah, I got into. PS2. Yeah, and so that game then led me into the thing. And so like once I watched Dawn of the Dead remake in theater and had so much fun with it and was scared mm -hmm. but really enjoyed the experience, and then I saw the thing, and then I was like, oh shit, this is speaking directly to me. And that just started my deep dive through Carpenter and everything else, and here we are now. Yeah, it seems like Carpenter is quite the doorway for a lot of people into the world of horror. Rightfully so, I think. He, his movies are so fun and... Especially for like a 17 year old where it's like, yeah, fuck the system or whatever you watch, yeah. you know, you watch They like, Live and it's like, They Live blows your this mind. This movie yeah. was like written for me. It's like, it was written for every angsty person and their I don't teenage. even need the glasses, man. <laughs> <laughs> so Josh, how'd you get started in horror? Well, I might be tipping my hand a little bit here, but I'm wearing my Stephen King rules t-shirt right now <laughs> from uh, Monster Squad. But yes. Mine was also super early on. Um, I remember I was at my cousin's house 
and they were watching uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, like the adults were. And it was on, you know, I don't know if it was a VHS or a Betamax at that point in time. Um, <laughs> but I, I saw that and it also scarred me. Like, I didn't even see much of it. Like, I think th- that it was the scene where uh, they're in the alleyway and his arms the scene. stretch out. <laughs> That's the scene. And yep. he says, hey, Tina, watch this. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it's the most ridiculous effect, but... Oh my God! Someone that could do that and actually just reach out and get you through your dreams—that's horrifying it, to me. Seeing it not in a cartoon is there's something extremely unsettling, especially when you're a kid. To see that strange effect of the arms coming out and the voice and the he chops his fingers off and he's just the yeah everything you're saying yes yes yeah. yes it gets it hits like right in that kind of uncanny valley area and mm-hmm. oh my God! But instead of driving me away from it, it drew me towards horror. And uh, my mom fairly early on would introduce me to like Psycho and Jaws and stuff like that. Perfect. So I had a a pretty good grounding growing up. Um, I do remember there was one night when I was in middle school and we did uh, a sleepover at a friend's house and all of the other guys decided to go uh, and meet up with like another gang of guys and go egg somebody's house. (laughs) And me and one other kid decided to stay back and watch the tapes we had rented which were Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Oh, here we go. I knew it would come up. <laughs> yes. There it is. <laughs> so that was the really the genesis of like, I'm, I might be different than the rest of the jocks that I'm hanging out with. I might be, yeah. a, a, you know, of a different stripe. Uh, and God, those things like set your mind on fire in a certain way. Yeah. Hey, Josh, I'm really proud that you didn't egg houses. <laughs> it makes Thank me you. really proud to be a co-host with you. <laughs> I, I I toilet papered some houses, but I never Did egged. You? And I didn't learn until recently that egging a house can be really, really bad for it. If you the person lets it dry, oh, it'll yeah. fuck the paint or whatever. Yeah. Like I didn't know that as a kid. I thought it was like a completely innocent thing to do. So I, no, I'm very proud of you, bud. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I was we, a good little kid. My friends and I did worse things. I feel terrible. <laughs> I the worst thing I ever did was hiding behind a hedge on a golf course at night and then throwing water balloons at cars as they drove by. That was like that's pretty cool. After the, <laughs> I mean, you could cause cool, a fatal man. accident. Yeah. But, it's like you know. after that night, kind of sat there when we ran back into his house. It's like that might have been too much, guys. That might have gone too far. <laughs> you need to learn those lessons. Yeah. Yep, I'm not even going to go into what we did. There's a specific thing I'm thinking of that it's like it's like inappropriate. We are not even going to talk about it. It's very bad. Um, I think you want to talk about it though. Yeah, I think you want to bring it out I, right now. I I want to say that we we I, we had this rivalry with this one other guy and his friends, and we would go to his subdivision and possibly take turns urinating on the robots. <laughs> And it was winter, and one time we did this, and it froze on the mail. And then he came to school screaming at us, saying that his mom brought the mail inside and it thawed on the kitchen table. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, so that's – we did all kinds of st- – I mean, it got worse than that. I, we, we can move on. But yeah, so I should have been watching Evil Dead is the point. I should have been. <laughs> but for me, Evil Dead is one of those. It's definitely like, that's the movie that got me interested in like, wait a minute, movies 
movies are not just these like dreams I watch on TV. They're like, you can make them. They're a thing that you can do. Right. They're a thing that takes a ton of work and, and craft. And I just never would have thought of that. I think if I hadn't seen evil dead and you can kind of see the way it all sticks together in that movie. You can see the things that Raimi does with the camera and all that stuff. And it's like, well, how did they do that? You know, they didn't have any money. How did yeah. they do? How did that person levitate? You know, how did the how does the camera smash through the glass? Like it's it's amazing. There's so many things. The body parts on the floor are wiggling, and you find out that they they buried people under the floorboards and had them wiggle through. Like that's crazy stuff. Did you but, guys see that series sequentially, one through three? Yes. Uh, yeah, I did. I watched them in order. Yeah. I saw three, two, one, and so for me, oh. Evil Dead started <laughs> as a comedy series and then progressively got more fucked up and horrifying. <laughs> got by the, and then by the went. time we get to the remake, oh baby, I love the remake. That for me, if you're gonna remake a movie, that is like a pretty damn good blueprint of how it should be done. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Let's talk about that for a second. Well, I think it's Fede Fede Alvarez is the director, I believe, and he hasn't. Yep, he is. He hasn't had really anything pop after this but when was don't breathe wasn't that after yeah that was uh, after. don't breathe was great. oh that's yep. the one. Oh, he did don't breathe okay that one was really good i liked that one a lot so you look like an idiot i do <laughs> luckily there's no video so i only sound like an idiot <laughs> um don't worry i'll cut that out but i took my buddy who i've dragged to see many horror movies and we saw the remake in the theater and this poor guy i didn't I heard the movie was intense, but I didn't know it was hypodermic needles stabbed to the face intense. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. pushed my buddy to his absolute limit. Like there, There's no going beyond that for him. It, it disturbed him. But as a yep. horror fan, sometimes things happen in movies. There's certain shots or whatever um, that just send like every hair rising on my body and chills down my spine. And it's usually... Yep real big iconic moments maybe with the character standing up or something super horrifying happening and in that movie it's when it starts raining blood everything changes and gets ramped up to 11 and it's this spectacle that not many movies are ever able to achieve and it holds it for like 10 minutes and it is so intense and gory and it's everything i want it's everything that i love about horror and i was I was a little disheartened to see people talk shit just because it's a remake, but that's just the nature of the beast. I, I used to be also like really anti-remake, and then I just had to let go because if you're going to yep. be pissed off about it, you're going to be pissed off a lot because there's a lot of remakes. There's not much yeah. original stuff anymore, so you gotta just got to go with the punches, you know? Yeah, well, it's just going to keep happening. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, on the remake tip, like the fact that... Uh, the thing, the one that we all love, is in itself a remake. Yeah, which is adapted from a short story, uh, right. and you know, um, what is it? Maltese Falcon, I think, was like the third time that that story was filmed in two years. They were like right. remake crazy anything that they could get their hands on back in the day. People yeah. think talk like it's a new phenomenon, but it's been going on since Hollywood started. I mean, isn't the Bible a remake? Come on. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I think someone told me that. Anyway, let's move on. That was weird. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a little repetitive. You know what the Bible is? It's, it's, you ever read that thing? It's a little repetitive. It's, it's when redundant, you, yeah. The Bible is when you when you see a movie and you just see written by so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Yeah. It's like, uh-oh, this one isn't, this is troublesome if there's this many mm-hmm. rewrites on this thing. 
too many cooks in the kitchen. And they had that one guy that could just get so many fish. Like, you only need one guy. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, I love Evil Dead. It's very important to me. I think the remake is great. Um, well, are there any other good horror remakes that we love? I, I know The Dawn of the Dead. We already mentioned that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not a big Zack Snyder fan, but like that movie's pretty great, right? That uh, movie yeah. almost gives him a pass for some of the other stuff he's done. It's yeah. so good. I am going to make my first vaccinated movie experience Army of the Dead, I think, because of my mm-hmm. appreciation for that Dawn of the Dead remake. Wow. Um, yeah. I've heard good things. I talked a lot of shit on the Snyder Cut uh, on here. <laughs> yeah, uh, understandable. So, I, I watched it in one sitting. So did I. <laughs> it was, so did but, I. Thankfully, both very strong. I, I watched it <laughs> with the Gordian Rust Discord, so there was a lot of chatter and stuff. And, uh, yeah. It turned out to be fun. I, I could not have made it through that entire thing by myself. Well, that's something that's worth talking about is even watching a bad movie on your own can really suck, but watching it with friends can make a bad movie really good. Yeah. What's that phenomenon about? What is that? Well, I think I would like to call it... Well, most recently, I think I had that with The Brood. We watched The Brood for Gorley and Rust, that early Cronenberg movie. Yeah. Not a big fan of it but really fun to watch with a big group of people. Yeah. And I think it's because, especially in like movies from the 70s, there's so many moments of absurdity where you just want to look <laughs> to your right or left and at, like, just to make sure that that person next to you also saw or heard the Are same thing. Are we having the same experience yeah. right now? <laughs> yeah. And so I think that's what you get from friends that you don't get watching movies alone is that, that feedback loop of like, this is crazy, right? Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I've been to see The Room in theaters, and like that whole experience is like just the most fun you can have in a theater is seeing The Room with people that love it. It's like the worst movie ever made, but it, it's so much fun to watch in a like communal setting. Um, are there any other movies like that that you like? I don't want to call them guilty pleasures, but like movies that you like watching with friends that you probably would never watch on your own. I do. Every month or six weeks or so, um, a group of friends here locally, we get together and we have like a randomathon. And lately we've been kind of doing themes through them. We've been doing like some uh, Italian police movies, which oh. like these 70s Italian police movies are insane. And uh, I think it's John Paul Belmondo um, does some crazy stunts that you could like never get away with these days. Wow. Uh, and I think. During the last one, we watched Iguana, which um, features, oh, what's his name from um, Twin Peaks and the people under the stairs? Uh, oh, McGill? Yeah. Everett McGill? Everett McGill, yeah. Yep. Um, we watched that back-to-back with a movie called Heavenly Bodies, which was oh. about, <laughs> about yeah. uh, this woman who starts a gym and has a rivalry with another gym across town. Um, and... Being able to do that, like, ping-pong between these, like, vastly different kinds of things is really fun. And I think it's not something, on my own, I get into a rut and I wind up watching the same type of stuff. And without that, like, input from other people, you know, I don't, I don't get out of it very quickly. Did, yeah. did you watch well, Heavenly that's... Bodies or did you watch Dodgeball? Because they sound identical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're very similar. <laughs> Man. I was thinking the same thing, and I didn't say anything. And I was like, oh, I, I just let that one go. <laughs> he gets in there. 
Only one of them ends with an aerobicized com- competition, though. <laughs> like, they do a aerobicized till you drop competition, and it's amazing to see how long they can stretch that out. I'm interested in this 70s police movie genre. I've seen tons of 70s Italian horror movies, but never, like, never a police movie. I've seen, uh, what's the one? It's like a Jaws knockoff. It's like, a, it's like an Italian, uh, oh, man, what was the movie called? Cruel Jaws? The, no, it's called like the the last shark or something. Oh yeah, it's terrible, and they just they 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 think they can just dress it up to make it to to, to trick us into thinking that it's the U.S. Like by putting a bunch of flags, like oh look, there's a United States flag over there. This has to be the U.S. And it's so obviously not, and things are so strange. It's just a wild experience. It's yeah, just and a it, strange jaws knockoff. That one features um, a whole lot of windsurfing. Uh, like very yeah. long sequences of windsurfing, and then some yeah. of the most jarring cuts between like the shark violence and the melodrama on uh, on shore. Like, yes, you know, you don't see any of the aftermath. It just cuts to somebody having a, a, an argument with their lover, and it's kind of beautiful. I love those kind of oddball, uh, you know, kind of uh, not so well known movies. Do you guys have any favorites like that? Oh. Uh, I've I've been waiting for you guys to stop talking. I have I have an older <laughs> cop movie for you guys. Have you guys seen Remo Williams? The Adventure Begins. Yeah. The adventure never continued. It, <laughs> it flopped. It's been the a theater. long, long time. But, but it's yeah. Fred Ward, and Fred Ward is a cop of Tremors fame, and then uh, he gets killed, but not really. He just has his identity erased, and he becomes an agent for some secret group, and it's just it's the most perfect blend of just like awesome 80s score with a huge orchestra and a bunch of stunts that are performed that look extremely dangerous because it looks like they're all performed practically with no camera tricks or anything. Well, there's no faking it back then. No, and they filmed it during the the renovation of the Statue of Liberty. And so there's a whole sequence where Remo's running around on the scaffolding around the Statue of Liberty and sliding off of the statue's arm and shit. It's just an awesome movie. I watched it again recently, and I know it's really nostalgic for me, so it's probably not that good of a movie, but I, right, I, I adore it. And it's one of those movies that I, I get really excited to, to talk to people about, or it's one that I often recommend to people. Sure. I Josh, was, anything come to mind for you? Uh this one is it's a French crime film, but it's a fear over the city uh, from 1975. I've never heard of it. It's I hadn't either until somebody from um, the uh, the suspense is killing us podcast started posting some screen caps of it. Um, and it's this crazy movie that starts like as kind of a very small um, p- police kind of procedural film and then blossoms into this huge, they take over uh, an apartment building uh, sort of siege film. Uh, oh. Yeah. And once again, you've got like John Paul, Bel- John Paul Belmondo doing these crazy stunts, like r- rappelling down from a helicopter. And in 1975, you, there's no green screen that can do that. Yeah. It's just amazing. You gotta do it. Yeah. Yeah. What's it called? Fear over the city. Fear over the city. Is that on blue? Can I? Is that something I can get? Um, I don't remember. I, th- I think it's one of those uh, like vinegar syndrome releases, maybe. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm gonna have to look for that. That yeah. sounds right up my alley, for sure. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds really good. Dustin, how about you? What weird ones do you tend to go back to? And 
Uh, I just watched it again recently. There's this Wings Hauser movie with Meg Foster, who you may remember from They Live, the lady with the blue eyes. Oh, uh, um, yeah, the laser eyes? How could you forget? Yeah, laser eyes. Uh, it's called The Wind, and it's about Meg Foster is a crime novelist, and she goes on a vacation without her boyfriend to this small Greek island, and it's beautiful, and it looks... I mean, they're obviously on location. It's amazing. And it's basically like she's there in the off season and it's very windy and the winds are so dangerous. You, you could die, you know, you could blow off and fall into the water and die. But uh, she shows up and it, there's basically no one there. And um, there's like a groundskeeper and it's Wings Hauser. <laughs> and he's kind of fed up and he goes, you know what? I'm going to start killing people. And he does some amazing Wings Housering. And it's mainly, the, mostly the movie is him just tormenting her stalking her trying to get her and her outsmarting him and then getting away and then you know him him murdering other people on the side for fun and then him just it's if you like wings hauser i don't know if you've ever seen any wings hauser movies but oh man he's a he's a delight to watch he's i've heard terrible things about him being a nightmare on set and you know just being really hard to work with but the movie the end result is a beautiful movie they there is like a pretty good blu-ray of that and uh, worth the time. I loved it. Have you ever wanted to get all of the nightmare actors together in one movie? You get like Klaus Kinski, Marlon Brando, Wings Hauser, all of them on set together and just see what, what comes of it? <laughs> what would it be like? Yeah, that would be amazing. Get Wesley Snipes in there and he won't come out of his trailer for multiple days. He stays days. in his trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. You've seen that moment where he... They had to CG his eyes opening in Blade, right? Because he, he's lying yeah, on his back, and the director said, all right, we need to have a scene where Blade wakes up, and he refused to open his eyes. And so they filmed him with his eyes closed and then just CG'd them opening, and it looks absurd. That's, That's so very, beautiful. Very funny. I love Blade, by the way. Oh, Let yeah. me ask you guys this. Blade 1 or Blade 2? Um, I'm going to have to say one just because I don't remember two. I, I, I so distinctly remember like Deacon Frost and the bloodbath uh, nightclub scene and all that stuff. Oh, I don't, yeah. And motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill. And I don't remember <laughs> much from two. What, I don't, what was two even? Mainly a nightclub and Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Uh, He's bald. He's got the, the, the bomb in the back of his head. And there's the there's like a there's some cool stuff. It also has Norman Reedus. Is it Norman? It's pre Walking Dead. Norman Reedus. Oh yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because Norman Reedus kind of has slipped into this thing where he just talks like Batman all the time on The Walking Dead. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I love. I still love The Walking Dead. That's that's my soap opera. You know. I thought you were doing a Whistler voice. I thought we were talking Blade. Damn it, Blade. Oh, that's like Chris. Chris Christopherson. Christopherson. God yeah. damn it, Blade. You gotta, it, you gotta Blade. take your vial of antivenom before you go out again. Oh, no, I slipped into oh, like you're a... gonna say you gotta nope. take your vitamins. I slipped into a sling blade. You gotta take your vitamin before you go out there, Blade. <laughs> you you can't be walking around in the day, Blade. I don't you, use this, about no you, vampires. Use this lawnmower, Blade, and go ahead and kill that man. Oh, you said lawnmower. How about, have you guys seen uh, Dead Alive? Yes. Yes. I knew you would have. <laughs> yes. That movie is 
they're talking about on Gorley and Recipes, that movie pushes it a little bit too far into the gross out for me, where I'm not Big having t- as much fun, especially that dinner scene. The tapioca. There's a lot oh, of God. pus, and there's like ears falling <laughs> off. It's just gross, yes. man. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm there it is with disgusting. You. Yeah. That that movie is a lot of fun. If people haven't seen, if you like gory horror, things like Evil Dead, so Dead Alive. You got so excited beautiful. when I said Lawnmower. I thought for sure you were going to say, have you guys seen Lawnmower Man? <laughs> have you guys heard of Lawnmower Man? Like, I, I thought all of a sudden Dustin was going to be like the first person ever to defend that movie. I was like, wow, here we go. Mm-hmm. It ain't going to be me. Any movie that starts with a first person sequence from the point of view of a chimpanzee is a winner in my book. That's, That's I, fair. I loved that movie when I was, when it first came out. Oh yeah, it I remember like enjoying it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But as an adult, it's like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> and what's all what's right? Jeff Fahey doing in that movie? Ooh. What's he doing in general, man? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that would get you canceled today. Dustin, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. <laughs> Jeff, if you're uh, out there well, listening, please come on and tell us. What's, <laughs> please, what's going yes, on, Jeff? Come talk to us. I, I hear that Disney World has something where you drink around the world or something. Yes, that's a thing. That sounds intriguing. Mm-hmm. I have never Disneyland done it. does not have that. Le- it's a good idea. Last time I went to Disneyland, I still smoked cigarettes, and it was really weird finding non uh, the smoking sections, which were just like, just like ten feet away, a little alcove where there's just huddles of three or four of us smoking cigarettes as families are walking by. It's just like this isn't good. I need to stop this. <laughs> what Disney characters smoke? Do you think? Which ones? Bugs Bunny for sure. I'd say Roadrunner did not, but Wiley e. Coyote did. Are these Disney characters? Those are Warner Brothers. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Disney. Oh. Hmm. What did, I think all the Warner Brothers characters all smoked. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is why I was like, Legally, Dustin, that's to. a really long list you're asking me. But. All right, Disney. Disney smokers. Uh, who, Disney smokers. What, what's the thing's name in... The mermaid movie, Little Mermaid, the the crab. No, the the bad woman, the big woman. Ursula. Ursula. <laughs> I think Ursula was a smoker. Yeah. What's it? What's an underwater person smoke? <sighs> Seaweed. <laughs> no, we did oh, not. Oh God. Oh fusion. No. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Well, if we want to end on a high note, that's it. We should just that's push it. stop right now. <laughs> <sighs> that was beautiful. Oh, uh, I was going to say, like, maybe Donald Duck probably smokes um, a lot. Yeah. Because he's, he's always mad. And he's, like, pacing and chain smoking and, like, wondering where his nephews are. He's constantly stressed. <laughs> yes. They're under his hat, I'm sure. That's where he keeps his cigarettes. I can only think of Warner Brothers characters. My brain is broken right now. What is wrong? I don't know. Um, the Slinky Dog from Toy Story definitely smokes. Oh, yeah. Because it has, no lungs. Definitely it has no lungs to ruin. All the mm-hmm. smoke just goes out the slink. Are his lungs in the bottom half, you think? I think his lungs, so he, I think he breathes like an accordion, where as he stretches and compresses, that pushes the air through his system. This is good. This is good. Rest in peace, Jim Varney. Yeah. <laughs> you actually died from complications from, from like lung issues, Whoa. right? Yikes. This just yeah. came full Yikes. circle in a way that I'm uncomfortable with. Too real. Yeah. We should probably move on, huh? 
Okay, yeah. Which Disney characters drink, do you think? <laughs> uh, the Beast, for sure. Oh, yeah. Before Beauty. Once Beauty gets there, he's kind of like cutting, you know, cleaning up his act a bit. Putting on, he he's switched putting on to like show. one glass of wine before bed. Yeah. He drinks white wine, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the antioxidants. That's right. It's good for you. That's uh, The doctor said it's did fine. Did you ever watch Bored to Death, the TV series? Oh, yeah. I didn't. Uh, it's a good show, but that was a running joke that Jason Schwartzman, his girlfriend, thought he was an alcoholic, so he's he only drinks white wine now because it's lower in alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, we uh, transition. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you guys about some double features because that's kind of your thing, and I thought it might be fun to go over maybe like a fantasy double feature that you've never tried that might be cool, or one that you did, or a cool experience you had. Add a double feature, and I, f- I thought I would start to give just to give an example. One of the coolest double features that I ever uh, came up with and, and experienced was uh, I watched Summer of '84. Have you guys seen that movie? Mm-hmm. Nope. It's it's like um, slightly darker Stranger Things, um, and I and I double featured it with The Clove Hitch Killer, um, which is a if you haven't seen it, guys. If you like Summer of '84, I think Clovich is even better. Okay. Um, it's they're both they're very similar movies, but they both scratch the same kind of itch, and it's this very cool sort of retro. Um, you know, when you're a kid and someone's like, "Oh, that guy! Don't go to that house. That's the murder house. There's a serial killer around it." There's all the, you know playground talk of that kind of thing. Both of these movies kind of tap into that strange childhood fear of like. You know, you you watched America's Most Wanted, and the killer has never been caught. And then you go to, you go to bed, and you're thinking that guy's probably in my backyard right now. That type of fear, that childhood fear, both of those movies really nail it, and uh, in, in, in in such a good way. And together, they make such a neat double feature. So that is my double feature. And again, it's Summer of '84 and The Clove Hitch Killer. Uh, when I that was a sounds kid, super interesting. <clears throat> I had nightmares of Robert Stack after watching Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, because you see him in like an alley or something in a trench coat, and you think, like, someone's going to come up behind him. He's not going to make it through It was this. just the, the music in the intro to that show was so foreboding that it didn't matter if it was a really dumb episode. The intro yeah. and Robert Stack put me in such a state of fear that it didn't matter. Tonight, I was terrified. Un- unsolved oh, Mysteries. You just, you just gave me a chill down the spine, <laughs> Dustin. Yeah, it's like, it always ends with her head was never found. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> oh God. So I um, have to sneak a plug in here real quick. Oh, go ahead. If you're you're talking about unsolved mysteries, yes. The, the last feature that I shot, uh, along with my friend Andrew Ford, who uh, co-wrote and directed it, is called the reenactment. And the premise is that there was a double homicide that was never solved. And this, the film crew is going to film the, basically the unsolved mysteries portion, uh, and then what happens to them as they get deeper into the mystery. And playing the Robert Stack character, we have Tony Todd, which is oh! pretty great. Sign me up. Self, is that available? Can I get that now? No, we just did the cast and crew screening like two weeks ago. Oh, the, God, for the I first time. This. Yeah. Did you? I will let you guys know when it when it drops. That sounds so right up my alley. Oh my have god, met, it's a lot of fun. Yes, have please. you met Tony Todd? Yes, Ooh. hung out with him. Is he as awesome as he seems? Dude, he was down to party. Wow. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, oh, that's so cool. I'm going to reveal a little fantasy of mine. If, if I'm ever going to die, I want Tony Todd to say, be my victim before he murders me. That's how I want to go out, guys. <laughs> yeah. It was always you, Sean. <laughs> gut. Right through the hook through the gut. Okay. I'll remember that. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. That's good information. Thank you. Well, what's do you know when that's coming out? Like, can people look forward to that? I don't know. We're trying to do a festival run right now. Oh, okay. Um, the uh, I know we did the drop the trailer a little while back, but um, I don't know about the rest of it. I've got posters and I've got the movie, but I'm not allowed to show it to anybody. Well, wait, sure, wait, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. sometime. <laughs> well, uh, sign me up, please. Let me know because that really does sound exactly like my thing. Yes, very cool. So, that's that cool. Sounds really exciting, dude. Yeah, and congrats on that. Oh, thank I mean, you. That That's alone huge. is amazing. Yeah, and it's also nice because I've I've only heard really nice things about Tony Todd. So just yes. every it's time cool something that gets validated awesome. by somebody, it just makes me feel yeah. even better about the people that I really admire. Yep. Yep. Um, well, Sean, how about a double feature? I, yeah, I have a few. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna start with the smallest one, which I just think would be a really cool experience. Um, the two movies, they're both the same director team of Benson and Moorhead. It, I would want to watch Resolution and then follow yep. that with The Endless. I knew where you were going as soon as you I said it. I think and I agree with those you. movies work on a way where one is the Resolution is kind of a, a piece of the bigger pie of The Endless. I, it's just, there's nothing quite like it that I've seen where two movies play off each other in that way. And... Um, yeah, some you know, I'd recommend people to see the Endless, but I'd try to get them to watch Resolution first because the Endless is really good, but I don't I think it misses a little bit of that payoff if you don't have the Resolution background going into it. And I kind of went into the Endless blind not knowing that they were in the same universe or whatever. And it's just such a cool experience. I love that director team. I'm a huge supporter yeah. of theirs. I'm excited. Synchronic was really yeah. good. Uh, Spring is a weird, like, gothic romance monster movie. It's awesome. Like, yeah. uh, really, really exciting director team. Absolutely. Yeah. Endless, I really loved. Man, that movie's cool. I love um, the times, like, anything with time stuff. Generally, y- y- you can have a lot of huge plot holes or whatever. I don't care because I just love time travel or time manipulation, anything like that. Except for Tenet, Christopher Nolan, I'll have I'll have a discussion with yet. you about that later. I know it's I know what it's going to be. I, I'll watch it. it that's but fine. I, yeah, I wasn't I just, like freaking out about it. I, I just I like having some human emotion in my movies, and I wasn't getting any emotion whatsoever from that. It was very robotic. It, it's cool. It, there's a lot of cool shit, and it's worth seeing. What was that time travel movie where the guys like they go and they get in this? They, it's like a little chamber. It's very Primer. indie. Primer. Primer. Yeah. Yes. Primer is wild. Thank you. I've seen Primer yeah. three or four times. Still have no idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> How many times has Primer seen you? I don't know. You see, it's seeing me right now. You see that timeline diagram of Primer, and it just looks like a bowl of spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that would be just a cool one that I think... Um, I'll give, I have two more, so I'll, I'll go one more and let someone else go. Uh, this is going to be... An absurd one, but just bear with me. You start the night with Old Boy. 
and you follow it with the naked gun. <laughs> what? <'Cause, laughs> what is the connection? Okay, yeah, Explain well, yourself. Work? It's just... Old Boy's an amazing movie, but it leaves on a hard note. And it's, a, it's a note that's hard to digest, and you're probably not going to feel very good after... But it's still, it's mm-hmm. such a val- it's a wonderful piece of art, and it's so worth seeing that I, it's kind of like taking a shot of some alcohol or medicine or something that's really good for you, but then you got to have a chaser, and that chaser is Leslie Naked Nielsen. Gun. Leslie Nielsen yeah. will fix anything, especially in that scene and uh, that movie, but the baseball sequence in Naked Gun still remains to this day the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I, the last 30 minutes of the movie. <laughs> it, it, it destroys me, yes. The, the, uh, it's very, yeah, I, I agree. Naked Gun, there is nothing like it. It's just, it's the best. It's the funniest. And the sequels don't quite do it for me. I rewatched the whole trilogy recently. and They're, they're funny, but they don't hold it. But that first one, man, that is just about peak perfection as far as comedy goes in my opinion. I agree. The first one's the best. Leslie yeah, Nielsen absolutely. was one of those guys who was immortal. As as you've pointed out about Patrick Stewart being a man who was born in his 40s once, Leslie Nielsen yes. was born in his 60s, I believe. I think so, yes. <laughs> Have you seen that movie where he's he's totally evil? It's the Animal Attack movie. I think it's called Day of the Animals. I've seen a clip of it, yeah, when he was still being a, a serious actor, right? He's like, through a lot of the movie, like shirtless with just some like dress pants on Whoa. in the woods I I need to see this now it's it's not that bad a of a movie I actually watched it he's he's kind of a yeah, hunk I could, yeah. see, I could see Leslie Nielsen he's kind of like yeah. he's got the dad bod hunk thing going on for sure <laughs> the pants are a little too high up but it, you know you get to see what you need to see and uh, I watched it with riff tracks but the movie on its own I was like this almost didn't really need the riff tracks like this is this is a pretty fun movie on its own so yeah, I'd recommend that. Uh, I think it's called I think it's called Day of the Animals. Nice. Yeah, wrong about that sounds that. right. Yeah, that's a fun one. Uh, yeah. So, what do you guys have any more? So I had a it was my my super pretentious. I didn't think we would do it uh, on our show, but um, a kind of a personal uh, double feature, which would be all that jazz, and then the documentary. The Promise, The Making of the Darkness on the Edge of Town by Bruce Springsteen. Wow. So. That is a, quite a thing. Yes. It's a little <laughs> idiosyncratic. Uh, both movies about guys who are obsessed with their work and only see the world through that lens. Um, plus all that jazz, the editing in it, um, it, it really takes and this is like going back to our show, it really takes what they were doing at eight and a half, the kind of this nonsensical, um, very lyrical, poetic type of editing where scenes will lead into each other, not with something that makes sense, but something that kind of emotionally resonates. Um, And then it also has kind of some of the hyper-stylized editing of um, the drug-taking sequence in Pi, that's a repeated motif throughout all that jazz. When he's doing his morning ritual, you get yeah. kind of this very staccato, um, almost Edgar Wright style montage of him popping some pills, washing his face, yeah. smoking a cigarette. Um, and it's really for a movie from 1979, like he really, Bob Fosse really straddled both worlds and was able to like marry some of the more classical ideas with some of the French new wave and 
play with time uh, and structure in a really beautiful way, I think. Yeah. It's funny that you said Edgar Wright and not Sam Raimi. Yes. Well, he's become the, the, the touchstone for it. No, you're right. No, you're Josh. right. People will know probably better. Josh, yeah. do you want to be invited back on this show? Say Sam Raimi. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, listen. Listen. I love Edgar Wright. I, we could talk about that for a second. I mean, because the, the, um, the what is it called? The Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite pieces of media of anything. I even like The World's End. Yeah. Just fine. It's just fine. And, and rewatching it, it gets better and better. I um, absolutely agree. I think it's underrated. I saw it in yep. my mid-20s or something. I went on my birthday and saw The World's End and You're Next. So, awesome birthday in theater. Whoa! Oh, that's that is <laughs> awesome. It, it kicked ass. Um, but yes! Yeah, but World's End, in theater, I was like, ah, I'm not really connecting to it. And now in my mid-30s, the more the more I watch World's End, the more I'm like, oh, this is pretty yeah. mature and kind of a... A farewell letter to your youth in some ways and about growing up so many things that like now i'm experiencing and can relate much more to it so that movie is yeah. each year it i appreciate it more i was absolutely the simon Pegg character for a while mm-hmm. it was really sad it was really sad the same tapes the same outfits dyeing the hair all i mean i did it all <laughs> it was really bad uh so i yeah i think that movie is is a great is a great one but yeah i you can talk about Edgar Wright, just, you know, Sam Raimi. <laughs> he's kind of great. I wish, I don't know about you guys, but I wish they had just said, oh, Drag Me to Hell did pretty well. Just have, here's some more money and just do more. Just do another three of those. Yeah. Why weren't there more? He could knock two of those out in a year. How did that, that, how did that no do idea. in the box office? It did okay. It wasn't a failure it by any means. Like it, it did was very all right. Expensive. Like, I, I don't no. know why not just give him another. He could have. He could have made several uh-huh. more of those. Come on, Sam. What did he move on to after that? Spider-Man again. The next thing was was Oz, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That didn't. That and didn't that help his career. Where he derailed. Yeah. 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 I never saw it. But. And that, it's not that that movie's that bad. And it's in some ways there's a lot <clears> of parallels to Army of Darkness. Like it's in some ways it's like. In the same way that they say Episode Seven uh, echoes the other Star Wars films, right. while Oz the Great and Powerful very much echoes Army of Darkness. Uh, but it's just, I don't know, maybe it didn't connect. Maybe people weren't interested in the, that universe for some reason. I'm not sure. But I just didn't love it. And it was James Franco who I never never really loved. I don't know. Nah, never. But between, between those two, it was like the longest lull in his career so far. And yeah. now between that and uh, Doctor Strange, is like the the, the longest. Which how is hyped insane. are we for Doctor Strange? Super hyped. I'm, Same. Yeah. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not bullshitting you. I'm just I, I I just I'm a philistine when it comes to comic book things. I still listen to every episode of the show. But man, oh, I so have you no. Know, but you yeah, know but I have what, no idea. You know what Doctor Strange? Yeah, but I have is. no idea what you guys are talking about. I, I I love you and Chris, and it's a really entertaining show. But when you guys <laughs> talk about Falcon Soldier Winter Man, I don't know what you're talking. Falcon and the Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah, that's what Velveeta says. I, I love, says. I love the episode. But I'm just like, man, I don't know what these guys are talking about. And now it seems like yeah. a lot of the smaller comic book characters are now getting their time in the sun as the first run of Avengers. Yeah. And now it's really like I knew Iron Man and a lot of those characters just from arcade beat 'em ups and stuff sure. at the time, but now they're pulling out these characters where I, who Paul Bettany, the red one, 
Vision. Yeah, Vision. Never heard of the never never heard of him before in my life. So I saw Avengers Endgame in theater, and I think the last movie I'd seen was Guardians of the Galaxy one or something. So <laughs> I was very confused. I, it was a spectacle, but I had no idea what was going on. Vision is in that Avengers arcade beat 'em up. You you probably have oh, seen. Oh, you're Vision, total, You're absolutely right. I have. He's yeah. all white though. It's it was when in the comics he was white Vision. Yeah, I um, was a Nightcrawler guy in the arcade beat 'em up. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They had that at the local Pizza Hut. It was the best dude going there and having your your pizza, your personal pan pizza, and it, like a giant sprite. Oh yeah. And playing X Men arcade for two hours. Until your parents drag you out the door. Yeah, I never. The best. I don't think I, I rarely beat those arcade beat 'em ups though. I, I don't think I ever beat the Simpsons one. They're not designed to be beaten. They're designed to take yeah. your money. <laughs> no, I can tell because I don't think you can actually get good at those games. I think no matter what happens, you're slowly just going to get your health chunked away until you need to put another quarter in. You, I don't yeah. think I don't it's, think you can. It's be certainly good possible at the game. Yeah. to win on one credit, but it is not. It's not normal. No. <laughs> But uh, Sam Raimi did produce Crawl from a couple yes. years ago. He's produced what, a lot of things. What, yeah. what did you guys think of Crawl? That was an Alexander Aja movie, right? Yes. Which that guy, man, out the gate with high tension and then his remake of uh, the West Craven. Hills Have Eyes. Hills Have Eyes, thank you. Oh, oh that's, yeah. a good, that's a remake that I think uh, is superior to the original movie. We talked about that at the start of this episode. There's one. Um, I was so excited for Alexander Aja's career, and then Piranha was fun, but Piranha was pretty good, and that he just kind of, mm-hmm. he didn't quite take off for me. Again, as another one of those directors that I really wish would have had more of a, a hot streak coming out the gate. Same with Neil Marshall. Yeah. I thought that guy was going to be the next oh, wave yeah. of horror, and then Neil yeah. Marshall vanished. Yep. I, now, High Tension, I remember being really good. Yeah. But I haven't seen it since it was it new. Is. It's just everyone gets fixated on the unnecessary twist ending. And so that yeah. clouds people's judgments. But it's, it's yep. you know, it's right there in that first, that first era of, like, French extremism that came out around martyrs and inside and High Tension. And, um, you know what? <clears throat> I watched... I saw that movie. I double featured it. I remember now. This is really random, and I remembered this. I watched High Tension the same night I watched the movie P two. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's okay. A, that's a weird uh, pairing. The the parking yeah. garage. Oh, yeah, I remember P two. But they it almost worked together. Like they're both kind of tense in different ways, and they both have. Uh, I don't. There's some similarities. No, there's there. there's both of them. There's dog. Yeah. Well, that that would explain there's it. There's yeah. dog stuff in it. There's a hide and seek game between a female mm-hmm. protagonist and a male antagonist. Yeah. Um, no, there's there's a that might have been why we did a lot that. Of I don't remember. There. It's been since that came out. I was working at a video store at the time, and so like you know all the nerds there knew what to what was good and they would all be like hey you got to check these out you know take these home p2 is one of those movies that i i watched and then i think within a week it, it vanished from my memory and i just i have very few yeah. memories of it except for the one unfortunate one of the dog dying i remember the trailer more than the movie itself i think was there an elvis song on the trailer i could be wrong about that i'm famous for misremembering uh trailers and ads and things that's the thing that i have i'm really weird about trailers and not watching them and so i've been in theater before especially in crowded theaters is embarrassing but when i know i'm gonna see a movie i've covered my ears closed my eyes and started humming 
in the theater because I want to keep it completely fresh when I go in. So I just some weirdo sitting in the theater humming to himself to not watch a trailer. (laughs) I get it. I do get it. It's sometimes fun to just be delighted, but you need to know something about it. You know, gotta get a little taste. I find it. I find I'll watch the first trailer and that's it. Generally, I or if there's a teaser. Yeah, I'm, Dustin, have you been back to the to the movies yet? I have not. I have not yet. But hopefully, very soon. I have to say, I've uh, fully vaxxed as of a few weeks ago. I got to go see yeah. um, Godzilla and Kong uh, oh on opening, God. which was so good. Like, what a good welcome back to the movies that was. I think I would have cried to be quite yeah, honest with you. It was beautiful. Yeah, but seeing trailers on the big screen again, there's something kind of magical about that. Yeah, that's a thing I hadn't considered. I, I definitely I can see that absolutely that's really cool Sean you're missing out I know stop covering your well, eyes <laughs> I know but man when that gigantic glass of ice gets filled with Coca-Cola oh baby do I get <laughs> thirsty come on <laughs> yeah the popcorn comes right out at you <laughs> it's so real how do they do that so I, that's trained popcorn I have one more double feature I'll throw at you guys and I realize now I didn't quite go for themes. I more went with a very personalized what two movies would I like to watch in a theater on the same night kind of thing. That's the beauty of this. That's why so we're it's doing random. This. this last one is random too. But um, starting with Ravenous from 99. I knew you were going to say yeah, it. I, I know. I, you I love talked it. about it for months. I showed it to everyone on the Discord. Nobody liked it except me. But I will, I will stand by that movie until I'm dead. I love it. I love the soundtrack. I love the acting. It's weird. It's super weird. It, <laughs> it's a bizarre, bizarre movie about cannibalism. But I also love it because I'm from California, spent a lot of time in the Lake Tahoe area, and that's all shot up there in like Desolation Wilderness and in the Sierras where I've gone backpacking and hiking and stuff. And that's really so cool. So I just, I love that movie, and I'll watch Robert Carlyle do almost anything. He just is so charismatic. And then I'm following sure. that with Master and Commander. And Master and Commander, I want the biggest sound system in the world. You got and it. I want the entire yeah. ceiling to come down during those during those uh, naval uh, warfare scenes. <laughs> that movie is incredible. It's It's the best historical document movie for me that I've ever seen, just as far as it's fictitious, but it gives you a really really accurate look at what life was actually like for these people it's brilliant in that there's one big overarching story but then it has a bunch of these little vignettes and short stories woven into it it knows when to be tense when to be fun the music's awesome paul bettany and russell crowe have great chemistry like good love that movie so much and i didn't get to see it in theater because i was in high school and i didn't know anything and i've always regretted that so i would love to see Ravenous and Mastering Commander back to back. Remember how they showed Jaws like at a pool? That looked fun. Yeah, did you that ever see that? Really I've done that. What if they did that? Did you do that? Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, down in what Austin. What if they did that with Master Commander? Totally. That could work. Yeah, that could work. Yeah. Oh, and then get like a wave, a wave machine going, and yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. So you're struggling to stay afloat and see this movie. Actually, that sounds terrible. So kind of uh, <laughs> in a similar vein, I had I was wondering if you guys had any theatrical experiences that you want like what would what theater showing would you like to be at fantasy wise if you could go back in time for instance one i came up with is that that one of the first movies where it's the train 
going towards the screen and supposedly the audience <laughs> yes. freaked out. I want to be in that theater just to see like that first experience of film and to see people's responses and how they react to it. Um, it, it seems to me that there's an obvious answer here. And I, I maybe, I don't know if Josh is thinking the same thing, but I mean, the first showing of the exorcist, that was my next one. Oh, that was my next yeah. one is the exorcist. I, I want, I want to be in that theater with that vibe and that level of like terror going through the audience. I think they would make that. Have you seen? Go ahead. There's 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 news footage of people being interviewed in the lobby, like I think during the movie and and after mm-hmm. the movie. Have you seen that footage? Oh yeah, people are freaked the fuck out. It's it's yeah. amazing. It really is amazing. Yeah, my dad saw it. Um, I think when it you know like think the day it came out probably, but he. He didn't know what it really was. I think his, I don't know if it's his friend made him go, but he, he's like a, not into horror at all. My dad doesn't, he doesn't do horror. He didn't, he didn't know what he was getting into. And so uh, that movie like scarred him. And so he always talked about it when I was a kid. Uh, and I'm no, I wish I could be at the screening that particularly he was at. Yeah. That would be oh, amazing. That, that's a good yeah. wrinkle to go back and watch your yeah. dad probably at your age that you're at now pee his pants <laughs> but just also time travel and watch your parent experience something at the same age as you oh that's a good one i like that yeah sorry i stole the exercise oh it's good but I, I when my friends and i rented that when we were 17 or whatever from blockbuster uh my mom was like i want that dvd out of my house <laughs> i was like whoa <laughs> like my mom is religious but never on that level and so like that movie left significant scars on her psyche. Mm-hmm. I had to watch it in pieces the first time I watched The Exorcist. Like, we started at a sleepover, and I think we got to the scene where um, she goes to the hospital in the MRI oh, machine. Yeah. The and it's so, like, it grounds the movie so well, uh, and they they stick her with the IV line and like a sort blood. Shoots of blood. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. And yep. my buddy was like, Nope, Nope. We're done with this. <laughs> we're going to check out what's on uh, up all night or whatever. But didn't yeah. <laughs> Josh, did that make it worse for you? Not having, um, closure stopping it halfway through. Well, I finished it the next day, uh, by myself, yeah. but I think like that that scene has still stuck with me as one of the most horrifying things in the movie because it is, and it it makes the rest of the movie seem so real. For a long time, even though I'm not particularly religious, I held it in my head that like this could happen. The movie is is so set in reality that it feels like oh yeah, somebody could become possessed. And now see. I watched it with a group of friends. I had already seen it, and I was so terrified by it. I said, guys, we got to watch this. And my friends, they all laughed. They're like, oh, it looks so bad. It's so stupid. Oh, I don't get it. It's not scary. First of all, they're wrong. Right. Uh, but I think they they saw those types of scenes. They're like, she's just going to the doctor. It's boring. That sucks. But they weren't... I don't know. They totally interpreted it completely different. When I was watching it for the first time, I was glued to the TV. I was terrified. I've told the story before, but I'll tell you guys this. When they released the the version you've never seen Mm -hmm. in 1999? Was it 99 or 2000? I think it was 2000 because I think I lived in Is that the the version you've never seen? That's that's the type. 
That's the title. Well, yes. Yeah, that's uh, what they called it. Because they restored some things that had wow. been cut, despite that's our a, work. And the, that's a hell of a title for a producer's and, cut. Or what? <laughs> the version you've never <laughs> seen. Yeah. Um, so they released it on onto to VHS, and my mom had rented it. And she she basically said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go shopping. Why don't you stay home and watch this? Oh no, mom! Uh, she essentially put me in a room and said, "You're gonna, you're gonna check this out today, and let me know what you think." And I, it, it I was devastated by that movie. It, it destroyed me. Um, it, uh, again, I have told the story before, but I, I became so obsessed with it because it scared me so bad. I thought maybe if I read about it and read the book and watch the documentaries, maybe I'll be, can take some of the power away from it because it's like, I can't sleep, I'm having nightmares. Um, it, it, it was just devastating to me. I didn't want to be near steps. I didn't want to be near, uh, like, just there were so many things. I was like, nope, that reminds me of this. Can't do that. I don't want to look out the window. I might see her out there. She might be out there. Right. How nope. old were you when you went through this? Uh, I would have been... Maybe thirteen. Oh yeah, that's that's, so. that's right in the yeah. like prime time. Exorcist is gonna yeah. fuck you up, age. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it really did. So, but eventually, like, uh, eventually, like the DVD came out, and I listened to some commentaries, and I read the books, and I watched some documentaries, and I understood, you know, how it was made, and it, that really helped me get over it. But for a long time, like, I couldn't even see. I didn't want to even see like a Linda Blair, like even without the makeup. If I saw Linda Blair, I, get, I like fro. I would freeze. And do you remember? It was kind of around the same time. There was that scary. Mask I, I was just going to ask you if you got got by that thing. <laughs> I went. I got home from school. My friend dropped me off because I couldn't drive yet. And I, my mom was a teacher, so she was still at school. And I had about an hour to myself, and I was just checking email. And someone said, "Hey, play this game. It's awesome." And then you start the game, and it's like, hey, the volume, we couldn't get the volume right, so just turn up your speakers so you can hear it. <laughs> I fell for everything. And, and I had one of those, it's kind of like the chair I'm in now. It's like a, it's like a computer chair, and, and it can kind of lean backwards and forward. And it has um, armrests. And my, one, my left hand was, under, like, was on the armrest under the desk. And when that happened, I tried to stand up, and I shot back in my chair, and it smashed my... My, my hand <laughs> under the desk with the chair arm. And so I felt physical pain. I felt emotional distress. Uh, the sound was really scary and I felt like I was going to throw up. And I saw her face and I, all, I I felt like my heart was going to explode. I ended up on the floor. I was crying. Jeez. It was terrible. Yeah, so for people who don't know, it was a maze thing where you have to move the mouse through <sighs> the maze to get to the end point. And it starts off really easy. And then it gets to this level where it gets narrower and narrower. And so it's down to like the pixel. You have to concentrate and, so you're, and stare. You're like looking at your screen super close because it's like pixel wide depth. And right as it gets to that point... It does a, a scream with Reagan's face from The Exorcist. <laughs> Notorious at the time for freaking people out. I remember smacking my knee against my desk really loud. I think it was in college. And my roommate looked at me and was like, are you okay? I was like, no. Yeah. It was <laughs> like the biggest jump scare of my life. <laughs> it was really bad. It was really bad. Uh, I have one more double feature to mention. And this is one I did. It was when I was first getting into horror. And I had just read a lot of things and heard a lot of people talk. 
And they said, oh, Last House on the Left, it's, you know, it's a classic. And, you know, it's a, it's a Wes Craven, you know, if you like Wes Craven, you got to check out Last House on the Left. I, I had bought that on DVD. And also, at the time, there was this new, uh, this new foreign movie called Audition Ooh. That, that you should totally check out. Uh, so I bought them both. It was on a school trip. We were, like, in Chicago for some reason. And so my roommates and I, for the night, we watched... Last House on the Left followed with Audition, and we were bummed out. It was a bad That's a hell time. of a pairing. It was Even rough. with the wacky antics was of rough. the police and Last House on the Left, that's not really bringing much levity to things. No, but we the way we dealt with it was we, uh, we would just look at each other, and this is totally terrible, but we would look at each other and we would go, piss your pants. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> piss your pants. And the teachers would be like, what are you doing? Stop that. <laughs> but, but that was the only way we knew how to deal with it was like to process it by like repeating it and thinking about it and uh, telling each other to, to piss your pants. So do you, <laughs> it's terrible. Last House is fucked up, but I feel like you could probably maybe dismiss it by like, oh, it's so old that it's campy enough or corny enough that maybe I detach it's myself. It's so mean-spirited. It is, but audition, like, do you remember your reaction when the the bag moves yeah. the, the yeah. thing happens like, yes yeah we were we were in an uproar the room exploded it was it was crazy and i remember one of the guys was like haven't we been through enough tonight <laughs> <laughs> i thought this was just a nice movie about an old man finding love yeah you you said these would be scary and fun but these are like disturbing there's a difference and i didn't we didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I became a horror fan kind of during the torture porn era. So it was, it was kind of a mm-hmm. weird time to get into it because I, I watched so many brutal movies early on. Hostel and Saw. And Thinking that was what it was like supposed to be. Even like the dumb Lindsay right. Lanning yeah. captivity movie or whatever. The captivity. one with the, the girl next yeah. door. I don't remember, but she was in one too. Like, so many movies that yep. just revolved around like... Someone strapped to a chair. What can we think of to do to them? I was like, I go, all right, I guess that's horror. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm in. Yeah. But for a while, that's all we were getting. I definitely yeah. burned out on it. Um, and now, it's like when I was younger, a younger horror fan, I used to look at those lists of like 15 most disturbing horror movies ever, and I'd try to watch them all. And yeah. now, I just I don't want movies to be mean spirited. I don't mind movies being really fucked up and maybe make you feel shitty or whatever or the protagonist loses oh that's good but just don't be over right. like overtly mean you know absolutely um so i used to have a buddy here in town that i would go and like spend the day at the theater with we'd go and do double features quite a bit um and the weirdest one that we had done was going to see quantum of solace and then Twilight, back to back. That, that is weird. <laughs> that is weird. It's, uh, I don't even know where to begin with that. Yeah, I don't know why. I and I tried looking up to see if nothing else was out at the time that would have appealed to us, other than Twilight. I remember seeing Quantum very specific. It was snowing that night. Mm-hmm. I remember it very very vividly, and I remember liking it, but kind of seeing the problems with it yeah. like right away. But I think on rewatching, especially 
like Corley always says, if you watch it right after uh, Casino, it, it really makes a lot more it sense. It definitely does. Um, so, but yeah, I, and, and, and as far as Twilight, I did see Twilight in the theater, but I didn't, all I, someone said, oh, it's a new vampire movie. It's called Twilight. I didn't see a trailer. I just heard vampire movie. Okay, cool. So I go with my girlfriend and we, we didn't, we were not sure what the hell was yeah, going on. But <laughs> I bet really... that girlfriend is now your wife, right? It's true. So you is. have Twilight to thank Ooh. for that. And nothing, yeah. nothing like, else. Well, I mean, Twilight saved your marriage, <laughs> okay. my friend. I mean, it, it, we did meet at a during a production of Fiddler on the Roof. So uh, I mean, it kind of, and I could, you know, the theater in general. You could kind of lump Twilight in there, I guess. Oh, somehow. that's a lovely little story. They're basically the yeah. same thing, like <laughs> persecution of religious or Jewish Russians versus persecution of. Immortal vampires in Seattle. It's kind of the same thing. Da, 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 vampire da, da, family baseball. <laughs> yes. Vampire family baseball. <laughs> I forgot there's... Yeah. Uh, anytime there's ex- extended scenes like that in movies. Like recently we just watched um, uh, Sleepaway Camp. It has that like five minute baseball scene yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. I, I love it because yeah. it's so preposterous. Like, oh, the audience is going to be invested in this game. And we need to adhere to like the flow of the game and the rules. So, like... This softball game will make or break this movie. <laughs> you start a ball game, you better finish it. That's what mom said. She was a doer. <laughs> so that, the that other... movie. Uh, go ahead, Josh. I'm oh, sorry. God. Sleep, sleep boy camp. I just, I still haven't wrapped my mind around what the hell that thing is. Dude, I, <laughs> don't bother. It's it's been like 15 years since I first saw that movie, and I still haven't wrapped my mind all the way around yeah, it. I'm, I'm, not, yeah. I'm just gonna leave that string loose and untied. Yeah, the uh, the other one that we did was uh, a back to back of No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood, which was. But that seems like a really good. That was a fantastic day yeah. at the theater. That's a great way to spend your time. Yeah, that's that sounds like I want to do that. That sounds I would do really that. good. I need to see There Will Be Blood again. Yeah, that one. Uh, although interesting tie between No Country and Twilight, Carter Burwell did the music for both of them. Oh, so that's interesting. Yeah, even though it's mo- mostly atmos- atmospheric work in No Country, but he he does most of the Cohen stuff, so that's not a surprise. Josh, didn't you su- just suggest that we do for potentially one of our next episodes? Uh, it was a Cohen Brothers and um, Blue Bruin. Jeremy Song, yeah, yeah, Blue Ruin, yeah. and what was the Cohen one? Blood Simple. So we we're looking at doing those because I'm gonna I'm watching Blue Ruin next Sunday with my Sunday morning group. I love uh, Blood Simple, of course, but you know I've never seen Blue Ruin, and I know Excellent. I should. It's one of those I know I should. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just it's, haven't seen it yet. It's so good, man. Uh, I really into Saulnier after. Murder Party is really fun. It's a weird one, but it, it's real goofy and fun. Yep. But then Green Room and Blue Ruin, those two back-to-back, man, that's... Green Room is... It's tough to get better as a director with a back-to-back than those two. Those, I, I know Green Room is f- fantastic. There's some weird connections there. I was in a metal band for a long time. Uh, we were signed and did the touring thing and all that stuff. Nice. It's been a long time. We broke up in 2009, so that, if that tells you anything. But... Um, we had a song called Blue Ruin that came out on our record in like 2009, which is interesting. And I know that movie didn't exist then. Right. It was, uh, it was way before that. And then, um, but then Green Room itself is like, 
I've been in situations, not obviously not quite so bad, but I've been in some situations that felt like they could have become that in some ways. And uh, so, like, Green Room in particular hit me super hard. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, man, what a good movie. And Patrick Stewart, come on. That's, come on. I've been in some of those, uh, it's some of those shows like that. Yeah. Uh, and definitely, you know, not with the overwhelming uh, uh, boots and bracers types, but, you know, some of them are there. And it's, yeah. it can get When intense. you're on tour... You don't know where you're going to end up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you someone booked this tour for you, and you show up where they tell you to show up. They don't know. <laughs> they talk to somebody on the phone or whatever. It's they don't know what's there. You could show up, and can it be? It could be anything. And we had some. We had some weird, some weird things like that. So yeah, that movie, that movie hit me pretty, pretty hard. Yeah, that's interesting because every metal show that I went to, which is mainly like. Anytime cattle decapitation was in my town, I'd go hang out and see them. Uh, so it's a very nice crowd. Yeah. Uh, just solid yeah. people pick you up when you get knocked down, stuff like that. It never, I never had any like really sketchy concert experiences or anything like that. Just, just times where things got a little too much for me, and I'd move to the back of the room or whatever, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Especially when kids that, started. Yeah karate kicking the air and punching the air and stuff. I was like, I am not, I'm not around for this. <laughs> Hardcore dancing. If that's what they want, if that's what they oh, want yeah. to call it, they can. Oh yeah. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> I'm sure they're still doing I'm sure it. Sure they are. Let, let the, let the kids what metal the do you listen? Let do do you listen to metal anymore, Dustin? Uh, occasionally. Yeah. I, I still like metal. Uh, I just got so burned out on, Again, like with the tour, and it's like every time, you, every night you're in a new city, and guess what? It seems like the same bands are following you because every band sounds the same. It's like chug a chug a breakdown, some screaming, and you know, and then it's 45 minutes later, their set is over, and then seemingly the same band comes on to state. You know what I mean? Uh, but so I, I got really tired of metal for a long time, but I have been, I've recently been kind of re embracing. Uh, there's a new, do you, do you like Born of Osiris? I've heard of them, but. I, I don't know them. Josh, do you know them? No, I don't. It's they're like um, I don't know. It's like it's very technical metal. Uh, it sounds like listening to a math problem. Not quite Meshuga, but it is. Um, it, it definitely comes from. It's like they're definitely a descendant of something like um, I don't know. I hear a little like Kill Switch Engage, but like times a hundred. You know, as far as like the technicality goes. So it's a lot, a lot of breakdowns, but there's also a lot of melody to it. Anyway, they, they had a new song it just came out yesterday that I enjoyed the video, and I thought the song was pretty good. It's called uh, "Alien or Angel," I think is what it's called, and and, and it has a it has a very like Mortal Kombat feel, and I'm in Mortal Kombat mode right now from the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, if you listen to that song, it 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 has almost identically the character select music from Mortal Kombat Two. Really? Uh, and if you know that little tune. You, and if you hear that song, you'll go, "Oh wait, this is almost identical." I'm it's sure cool, that though. song, and it's got a I'm neat sure video that Mortal too. Mortal Kombat music is buried somewhere deep in my brain. It's so simple. It's just a little melody. It goes, and it just repeats until you until you select. But it's got that little. It flows underneath the the song, and you can hear it. And the video is cool too. Do you guys still watch music videos? Oh yeah, uh, I have to. It's part of my job. <laughs> So. Well, I feel like, yeah, it, it's dumb to ask you that question. Yeah. Yes and no. A lot of the artists that I listen to now are like one-man 
black metal projects just playing like sad music that's 15 minute long songs and stuff. so it's there's not really that many um, music videos that I that are being produced but one of my favorite artists has been doing this series recently where he just goes out into the forest near his house and does covers of his songs just on acoustic guitar just standing standing in the woods oh that's really woods. cool and I've been yeah, really into really that cool. I think it's really cool that he's doing that so mm-hmm. I like that well, with YouTube, yeah, you can like finally find these artists that have always been doing these things, but you can finally yeah. find them. And he was a pretty obscure guy, but yesterday he was doing a live stream. So it's just interesting now to have access to these artists that were formerly so underground that it was impossible to find yeah. anything about any band, basically. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife and I are pretty big fans of Cradle of Filth. Do you guys know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, my wife and I are pretty big fans, and they did a concert last week. It's like it's for streaming, and I bought tickets. We haven't watched it yet. We, we, we weren't able to watch it live, so it's like, well, you know, we got the tickets. We can watch it for the next week. We're probably going to watch that tonight, so I'm looking yeah, forward be to fun. that. But uh, So I just feel like I want to say something about music videos. Like, do, I don't think kids these days – I sound old, kids these days. But I don't think young people care about music videos anymore. Is, do you think that's true? It's weird because I know from like the creator side, they still put a lot of work into them, although the budgets have shrunk over the yeah. last five to ten years especially. Um, but they still want to make epic music videos. And a lot of people now are doing like a multi-platform user experience type thing where on the day you're not just making the video, you're making some behind the scenes content and you're making TikToks and you're making um, the, the short little YouTube things um, right. that they started the stories or whatever they call them now. Um, and you're doing, you're trying to, you're trying to get the eyeballs as much as you can, but I've worked with a lot of indie artists, a lot of smaller people who still see it as kind of uh, a badge of honor to have, you know, be at a level where they can make a music video. Yeah. I agree, and I think they're really important. I, I still sp- spend probably an hour or two a week just like browsing YouTube, watching music videos. Mm-hmm. So I, maybe it's just I miss the old, uh, you know, the old MTV VH1 days. Uh, I don't know, but when you could actually find the music videos. But anytime there's a new song, I'm always like, oh, let's see if there's a video. I always hope for a video. Right. And sometimes it can really add to the experience of the song. I, and I think like with that Born of Osiris, the video was pretty cool. It's a simple concept, but it's it's really neat. I think the video is cool, so that kind of was like a memorable thing. I think, so yeah, I, I, think, I think it's important, important also to let. It's a good outlet for directors to go full on creative um, experimentation mode. And I'm like, most prominently, I'm thinking of as the guy who did whatever first person music video, and then that turned into Hardcore Henry, which now turned into Nobody. You know. Oh. And it's, are you talking right. about Smack My Bitch Up? Uh, it's the one where there's like no. a hitman that running video? around on the streets and like fighting people. Oh, you're talking about the actual, that, that actual guy. You're not talking about no, in general. No, I'm talking about how, how that evolved. actual guy. Because I remember the Smack My yeah. Bitch Up video. Isn't that what it was? Where it was like yeah. first person and it was... So yeah. I just, I think okay. in that way, it's, it's a really good platform for directors to work out some of that flair and some of that extra style, which they can then bring into some of their more um, streamlined projects, whether it's a feature film or a TV series or anything like that. Um, but you guys both have kids. I don't have kids. I, I, I'm 34 and I'm officially detached from the youth of today. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> understand anything anymore. Cause I, I never, 
I never got on to. Twitter. I never got on TikTok. Instagram was as far as I got, and I'm not on anything now. And I just I don't know anything. People th- throw these words at me about artists, or when I look at lineups for music festivals, and people are talking about all these bands, and oh, this one, that one, that one. Who's oh, gonna see it? I don't know anything. I used to work at music festivals doing parking and logistics and stuff, and people all the time, oh, what what DJ are you gonna see? Blah blah blah. I was like. I might go check out like the two that I've heard the name of, but that's I don't I don't know yeah. <laughs> anything. I I don't know. I live in a little hole where like I just find the things that I like and I just burrow deep into them and I I typically don't know much about You're like a little like a little bread making yeah. hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And we haven't talked about that at all. Do you want to quickly go over that? Or yes. is that, uh yeah, we can do you want talk to talk about, about your, yeah, your so little during business? COVID when everything shut down. Um I, I've been a baker for a couple of years now, specializing in bread products and stuff, working at French bakeries. And then COVID hit, so I got a, it's called a cottage food permit, which basically allows you to legally um, bake and sell products, food and stuff from your house through the health department. And so I set up a business. Um, it's called Shaun of the Bread. The logo is a zombie hand breaking through the ground, grabbing a baguette. And uh, yeah, I was Beautiful. really happy with it, especially... Where I live, everything's so catered towards tourists and kind of like uppity wine drinking that I, I like having a zombie hand yeah. on my logo just to be different from all the others out here. Uh, so yeah, and then I started shipping. So I know Dustin has gotten some bagels from me. And um, yeah, so I ship bagels, yes. ship English oh, muffins. <laughs> I'm going to start shipping pretzels soon, sourdough loaves. Um, so yeah, you can check out my website at seanofthebreadkinwood.com or... Um, just Google Shaun of the Bread, Sonoma County. It'll it'll pop up, and uh, yeah, I I can totally talk about those those bagels were, uh, without question, the best bagel I've ever had. That's uh, that's oh, just thanks, a fact. Dude. It was so good, so good. I, I still have one that I froze that I'm just like trying to yeah. save it. <laughs> They're thanks, so good. Man. So I got some new flavors. I I do bagels are plain poppy sesame everything, cinnamon raisin. Or now Asiago cheese is the newest one. That Asiago Ooh. cheese is damn good. Um, that might be, uh, you might be getting an order from me. That sounds great. But I mean, you said pretzels and yeah. that's like. You, you, that's yeah, it's interesting. Favorite. I've never that had to great. wear uh, goggles and gloves before when working. But with pretzels, I had to get food grade lye. And then you dunk the pretzels in a bath of lye water. And uh, it's a little scary, but it's fun. <laughs> Well, Josh, what about you? Anything to plug? No, not much going on beyond the uh, the feature called The Reenactment, directed by Andrew Ford, that I was a cinematographer for. Um, that'll be coming up soon. Uh, he said, I think you should be able to find the trailer for it now. Um, I know that he sent around to us to, to send out. Um, most of my work has been my day job stuff. Um, it's been taking up a lot of my time, uh, which is still it's creative and it's somewhat fulfilling in that, in that realm. I'm get to put on shows, um, and film stuff and still create things like that. Sure. But it's all for uh, country artists through universal music, Nashville. Um, yep. which it's weird being in a realm that it's most of the bands I worked with previously were like, I liked the band. And so I went up to them after a show and talked to them. And this yeah. is like, I don't even know who these people are. Uh, <laughs> I got like, 
dunked face first into this world a couple of years ago and um since then i've gotten to know it and i got gotten to love a lot of the a lot of the artists cool and uh keep well, an eye really out cool. for nashville ca popping up soon wherever you get your podcast please rate review yeah, and that, subscribe that... so we can rocket ship to number one past joe rogan <laughs> <laughs> we we're gonna yeah yeah absolutely so is that available now no. that's out there no but <laughs> no okay no we're building our our catalog i want to have like three episodes when we drop so that we don't make some yeah okay well please let me know when it happens josh uh, and i we're uh, we're gonna collaborate soon on a little theme song and then um yeah we'll probably do that blue ruin and blood simple episode next because after these cool. four movies that are heavy and philosophical and everything we're just looking to have a good time with these next two and <laughs> take it easy you know yeah. take a breather for a minute but that's the fun of it. You can. That's all part of the story of it. I really like the idea of your show, and I can't wait Thanks, to listen Sue. to it. Well, I love your show. I, like okay. I said, I listen to everyone, even if there's no... Even yeah, we talk about yeah, nerd stuff no, that you don't fine. know. I'm a nerd, even if it's not the same nerd stuff. I'm still a nerd. But um, Dustin, I hate to bring it up. You got any ghost sightings recently? Um... My wife, did I talk? Oh, I did. I already talked about this. While we were watching Mortal Kombat, she, she swears she saw a shadow uh, moving. And, I, and I, when I tried to recreate it, I had to, to recreate what she saw, I had to stand in the exact spot that we've That's seen everything weird. else. Oh, That's weird. Listen. Nope, 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 nope. It's all made up. It's, there's no ghosts. There I is no ghosts. I don't personally real. believe in ghosts. But man, I love ghost stories, and they creep me out nonetheless. You know, I, I agree. love listening yeah, I agree. to people tell their stories. And Chris is going to hear this and go, "Dude, you, you, it's too much to be a coincidence." Chris, <laughs> chill out, chill Chris, out, just calm Play down. With your lightsaber, bud, it'll be okay. <laughs> Chris, chill out. Well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, I, I just want to say thanks for coming on and I really am looking forward to your show thank you Dustin thanks for having thank us you. man I'm buzzing this was so much fun I had, I had a great time yeah. Yeah, this was a blast let's do this again sometime uh, and, and yeah keep just keep in touch and uh, please let me know when that comes out and we'll, we'll definitely go full blast when we can so we can help you out with that thanks cool. dude alright uh, thanks for listening everyone bye bye <laughs>